0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer
1: the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Shouldn't you be at work?
0: It's a lovely chip. Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Bohino. Still, it's not away.
3: Southgate shot. Milosevic scores
0: could do with a bit of magic from him, maybe this is it, it is! Andy Sinton from nothing!
3: Brian Roy has headed for his interlead! Whelan? Oh, what a goal from Noel Whelan! No power on it whatsoever, but Saiby has made a horrendous error!
1: Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh. He has No!
0: Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me, Josh Whitakham. Hello. And a man who looks better in a baseball cap than Tony Pulis. It's Michael Marden.
2: Hello. I think that is true, actually.
0: Do you know what? Never suited him. I never thought a baseball cap suited Tony Pulis.
2: No. I think manager fashion is one of my... I'd absolutely love a coffee table book of manager fashion. Oh, wow. <laughs> Any publishers out there. Any publishers out there. It would be absolutely brilliant. What would be your top three manager outfits? As soon as you said manager fashion, Alan Ball
0: flat cap, yes, please. Oh, really? Yeah. Also, Jack Charlton, USA his white shirt, like a teacher. Yeah, like a bus driver, a short sleeve <laughs> white shirt. I don't know if this is in my head. He's got pens in the top pocket of his white shirt. <laughs>
2: On one of them, the ink has run into. The, like, you've got like a patch of red ink. That's in there. actually that's why he was so angry. That famous game yeah. again.
0: i <laughs> Forgot, to put forgot the lid on his to pen. Put
2: on. Brand new white shirt for the World Cup. Um, good shout-out's Got to go to um, the green Umbro jumper that Brian Clough wore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like iconic, isn't it? Well, yeah. Josh, if you were a manager, would you be tracksuit or suit? Wow. Well, To use my catchphrase, I'm not sure if we've discussed this before, but one of my bet noirs uh, is lower league managers who dress like they're a Portuguese or Spanish Premier League manager. Like you'll see at Argyle, like a a team will turn up and they'll have a young manager who's about 35 wearing a tight fitted suit. And you're just like you're fucking managing Luton, mate. Have a word with yourself. <laughs> but I, I think I would go suits. I've always like subconsciously thought if a track suit, if
0: like the difference in a track suited manager and a, a suited manager is that the track suit manager he's probably more involved in training. He mucks yeah. in. He might yeah. you know he might join in the training game. The suited manager he's a level above the kind of the day to day. He's sitting back. He's stroking his chin. He's, yeah, possibly more intellectual. Whereas your track city manager's in there on the factory floor getting
2: things done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think um, I think Pep Guardiola's clothes are overrated. There was a winter where he wore this big coat with lots of zips on that was total dog shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to name um, I'm going to name three managers from the 90s, and I want you both to um, tell me what what you imagine them wearing. On what, on what occasion? Managing a football match. Uh, to bed. No. <laughs> <laughs> a night away with a mistress. <laughs> yeah. To bed's quite an interest. So I want a football match, but also we'll, we'll speculate on bed. So let's go with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, your favourite manager of all time, presumably, Michael. Obviously. Obviously. What, what are you picturing him in?
3: Uh, I picture him in a suit and tie and a uh, sort of branded whoever our shirt. Uh, not sponsor, but sort of shirt maker, whether it's Umbro yeah. or Adidas. Uh, sort of the big coat with the initials.
2: Yes, yeah. Over the suits, I think that's a good. I think that's a good look for both. The suit with the branded coat ticks both boxes. It's like I can negotiate a contract, but I also go out on the training pitch. Do you know yeah, what? yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you know what? It's the perfect middle ground. I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah. And what's he wearing to bed, Chris? I think he's got tailored pajamas, possibly yeah. silk, with embroidered AF. <laughs>
2: Or yeah, S A F
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, do you think he had those pajamas? Did he get new ones, or did he take the old ones and get them get the S re-embroidered on there? I think
2: he'd get it redone because I think it would feel like more of a statement when you go in. Because if you just went in and said, "I get SAF they might not clock it. But if you're going, "I've got to add an S here," they're gonna have, they're gonna say why. <laughs> yeah. And you
3: think at this stage in his life, Alex Ferguson needs the praise from I some do, kind yeah. of. A... <laughs>
2: From his local tailor. <laughs> his pyjama tailor. His pyjama tailor. Pyjama tailor was uh, the England manager <laughs> for three years, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he would have been
3: on Sensei Soccer, yeah.
2: <laughs> Sorry, right. Well, okay, I was, was going to say, I
0: think they're tar- red tartan pyjamas, silk tartan. Do you think they he's got it done in the Ferguson tartan? Yeah. Because only there is a Ferguson tartan. <laughs> <laughs> an extra layer of detail. I had to get away there. Uh, Roy Evans? He is classic like a white sweatshirt, tracksuit bottoms, big white trainers like an American geography teacher. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the big kind of football jacket.
2: I can't ever imagine Roy Evans dressed for the sun. Do you know what I mean? It's it's constantly winter in Roy Evans' house. So what do you think Roy Evans is wearing to bed, Michael?
3: I think he's a man that's probably wearing something either his one of his children or perhaps even grandchildren gave him, but it's very poor quality in construction. I think the wife hates it. It's very unflattering, but he's a sentimental man and he's yeah. sticking with it.
2: Yeah, he's a family man, isn't he? He's a good man. I think Roy Evans is a good man. Yeah. I think that's that's definitely the case.
3: A sort of a number one dad T-shirt, like something sort of really... Not the sort of thing would ever want to be seen out in.
2: <laughs> I think he strikes me as the kind of person who, when the new clothes come in at Liverpool FC, he'll just take a load and that will be his clothes for the year. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, one final manager. I mean, we didn't mean to do this, obviously. I do apologise. Can you think of a good one? That's quite I think good. he won a bit of a... We need a, z- a zany... Christian Gross. Christian oh. Gross. I'd s- so Christian Gross will, for me, always wear what he wore to that press conference, which is... I think a suit that is too big for him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like an oversized suit. Yes. Uh, what do you think Christian gross is wearing to bed? I think he's naked.
0: Yes. A hundred European course. He is. Oh
2: yeah. But I think he wears a kimono from the bathroom to the bed.
0: (laughs) Josh, I've got one final one for you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, brian
2: robson oh brian <laughs> of robson course. of course do you know to bed he wears the suit trousers with the middlesbrough shirt and the opposite of what he wears in the day um, let's have some correspondence i'm jim rosenthal and this is the electronic post bag you've got mail this is from andrew walker Um, I was flicking through an anthology of old Chelsea programs and found a couple of classic 90s articles that featured. The first is called Open the Fridge with Mal Donaghy. (laughs) While Mal's own food tastes are quite boring, seafood and chicken, he alludes to some former clubs and teammates with more unusual tastes, such as Luton's pre-match meal of tinned peaches and cornflakes. What? (laughs) Together? Yeah, so he says Luton ate tinned peaches and cornflakes. And he also says that uh, Gordon Strachan uh, I loved a combo of seaweed and banana. Um, there's also the great line, when it comes to drinking, Mal says, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little known fact about that team is that the chef was
0: Heston Blumenthal. And actually, <laughs> it was the only canteen with the Michelin star in the football
2: league. <laughs> we also, you know who Heston Blumenthal, he also did some work with Gillingham under the name of Andy Heston Blumenthal, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Right, the second one, and this is my favourite, is called The Blues and the Beatles. Basically, they've asked a load of Chelsea's players what their favourite Beatles songs are. You're aware of the Beatles, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, I'm familiar with their body of work. Right, well, you shouldn't be in the Chelsea uh, dressing room. I'm going to just take you through them. Craig Burley, I don't know any. Name me some. (laughs) What? Nah, I don't like the Beatles. I wasn't born then. Steve Clark. I don't like the Beatles they're not my taste anything except the Beatles is my taste Neil Clement Beatles ah let me think while I get a can of Lucozade <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have left that in after and then in brackets after can is opened I don't know any name Some later ones let it be I like that one Nick Colgan you want to ask my missus she's older than me I don't know Yellow Submarine Frode Grodas Let It Be beautiful song Uh, Rude Hullard singing obli D, Obli-da life goes on yeah Kevin Hitchcock The Beatles The Beatles Yesterday that's the one I can think of Mark Hughes has also gone with Yesterday and added I'm a big softie really Um, Paul Hughes I don't know one and then he sings You love me yeah 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 (laughs) You (laughs) you love me You love me (laughs) Dimitri Karine No, I don't like the Beatles. We hear them in Russia, but you won't have heard any of my music. It's Russian. (laughs) And again, David Lee, I'm too young for that. Isn't that mad? That that was 30 years after the Beatles.
0: But Pat Nevin walking into that dressing room. Like, (laughs) you just think. He must have felt so culturally superior to this mob.
3: It's not like the Beatles. Sort of in the last twenty years, have had this kind of revisionist phase. No, like no, no. Since the Beatles were the Beatles, they've arguably been the biggest and the most yeah. influential band in the history of music. So for more than one person to go,
0: who About never heard 50% of them,
2: of people don't know any of their songs in the Chelsea dressing room tough, that's a tough room, isn't
0: it? I almost they feel like they turn their nose up at the Beatles because
2: it's a bit soft to like that kind of music. Do you think they hated the programme writer? <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. I don't know whether that's, presumably they're not just going around and asking each one of them if they like the Beatles. Presumably they've, they've done ten questions and then they're splitting it over ten programmes. So if, uh, Andrew who sent in, if there are other articles like this in your other old Chelsea programmes or anyone's got them, then please let us know. Also, I'd love to know what's in other players' fridges. Um, David Bentley. This is a... Uh, Do I remember this right, Michael? Are you all right to uh, play out the uh, sting? Do I remember this right? Do I remember this right?
0: Do I remember this right? Do I remember this right? Do
2: I remember this right? This, right? Right? this, right? Um, this is about Championship Manager. Uh, this is... De- I recall a friend of mine at the time tell us he had a feature on the game play out the previous night. I've never had this feature happen to me and now it's become a bit of a myth legend so i don't really want to even find out if it's real but i must share it with you it would have been the 9798 version or as i would call it the best version agree michael absolutely not
3: on that subject i've just started playing in another tournament i don't know some listeners might remember last year we played in a tournament this guy who runs a chatman 9798 blog actually has he's recreated this uh, years euro 2020 tournament structure oh. But with the teams from and the players from Championship. Well, I got I got picked to Sweden. I have no choice in it, but then I had to sort of select my my twenty-three man squad. Oh,
2: so it's oh sorry, it's the nineties teams. It's
3: it's it's the original teams, but with this Euros tournament structure and teams. Who's your captain, Alex Anderson? Anderson is currently my captain on he's in right midfield, which I don't know is the best place for him. But I might I might crowdsource some uh, assistant manager. Uh, help on that oh, game. Yes. So, if any listeners are particularly good at Chatman ninety seven ninety eight and can uh, give me some tactical tips, I would be very, very much appreciated. Have
2: you got Bjorn heidenstrom or is he Norway?
3: No, I haven't. No, because
2: also those players that are like bargains aren't necessarily going to be great straight away on the on the Euros game.
3: No, that's it.
2: So that's a bad steer. I do apologise. Right. It would have been the 97-98 version. Do write in if you've got any tips for Michael. I'm sure he was playing as West Ham and had bought Nicholas Anelka from Arsenal in the summer transfer window. During the early part of the season, Anelka had been substituted due to a head injury. He remained unavailable for the rest of the season. The shock came in the gap after the last game, just before he was preparing for the new season. He claimed he got a message from the board that Nicholas Anelka had died. (laughs) No,
3: no way.
2: And um, for obvious reasons, have been removed from the squad. <laughs> As a result of an insurance payout, an additional £35 million have been added to his transfer budget. I mean, that can't be true. <laughs> I love it, but it can't be true. Regards, Dave, and he's put Liverpool season ticket holder age 35 and a quarter, which is a lovely way to end the email and I would yeah. encourage more people to do so. Um, yes, please. I don't believe that could have happened. Is there legal ramifications? Like, you can't just kill off a real human being, can you? Maybe a regen. I I think there would be
3: legal, because Miles touched on that when we interviewed him, that there was some sort of player and um, staff statistics they had to remove from the game because a chairman's nephew got bullied in the playground because the the chairman's business acumen was like one out of 20 (laughs) or (laughs) something. And his (laughs) nephew got picked on the next day.
2: (laughs) How bad do you have to be to get one out of 20? Surely, if you're owning a bit of football club, you've got to a level where you've got more than one, right? (laughs) Maybe it's
3: like when a player loses his pace.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, If if anyone's got any information on that, please do get in touch. Or if you've got anything else, uh, this is how to get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com Follow us on
3: Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at
0: quicklykevin.com Okay, and now to our episode this week. Joining us once again is Ben Partridge as we close off the grand finale of Gillingham's 97-98 season as captured in the documentary by ITV, a season in the life of Gillingham FC. This is it. Get ready to say goodbye to Adiakimbi, his illustration, ambitions <laughs> and Tony Pulis down in Kent. It's all going to end today. This is Benjamin Partridge.
2: Ben Partridge, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well, I'm very pleased to be back. Good, good. Um, We've watched four more episodes of the Gillingham documentary. Yep. Um, We're going to conclude it today. We're going to conclude today. Chris has only watched three because episode three was deleted from YouTube. Yeah, sadly. Some grass got in there. I worry it's because they were worried about our reaction. I wonder whether it was a.
3: Do you think it was related to us? Because it was up there before. It was up there before. Yeah,
2: before, yeah. And then we went out and then they were like. We need to stop this satirical takedown of Chris. <laughs> ninety-eight team. I don't know. What do you think? What are they trying to hide, though? Yeah, I don't know what they're trying to hide because we then Michael found it on a different feed. We've both watched that, but Chris and you haven't seen it. No, we'll take you through that. But before, let's recap where we've got to in Gillingham's ninety-seven, ninety-eight season. Firstly, uh, you came on you talked about when Cobra from Gladiators came to your school.
1: Yeah, that that isn't related
2: to Gillingham's. Season. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any follow-up on that? Um, no, I haven't. Have you had any emails or anything? Yeah, so we've had quite a few from of diff- different gladiators. We had someone who had Saracen doing, um, which was uh, Don't Cross Train Tracks, <laughs> and we had uh, Hunter doing direct line sales. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a similar one, but we had no... Gladiator, Nat West.
0: Michael thinks this is the next big scandal after PPI, gladiators (laughs) coming to schools and signing kids up.
3: I'm sure of it. We're three or four years away from those companies going out of business because of this. (laughs) Do you think we're going to get a phone
2: call? Yeah. You get a phone call from a number you don't know saying, did a gladiator come to your school? (laughs) The fact
1: that (laughs) no-one else has come forward makes me think, did I dream it? But how can you have a drink they that results of... in a current account?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would ever lock up all the gladiators because, as we know, they'd probably escape. They're really good at running Portland. Very high up uh, Over high walls, that's their no bread and butter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, right, episode three of the Gillingham Doc. So we left it. Adi is the star player. He's possibly going for a move. Paul Scaly's the chairman. Um, well, a move into illustration was the big thing. Oh, yeah, move into illustration for Adi Akambayi. Um, Paul Scully, obviously, his wife, Lisa Marie, his uh, his young wife, Lisa Marie. Beautiful wife. His beautiful wife, Lisa Marie. <laughs> Who's only uh, 23 in the 22. Doc-
0: 22. in the documentary.
2: Um, so, do you want us to fill you in on episode three? Yes. And then we'll do episodes four, five and six together. So episode three starts with a long bus journey to Blackpool. It's quite depressing, isn't it's it? quite depressing. Um, the voiceover describes the people in the long bus journey as, um... The voiceover genuinely says, "You could just, the kindest thing you could say about these people is they're dedicated." <laughs> <laughs> and later one of them within thirty seconds goes. Some people might call us mad <laughs> um There's one guy in
1: particular who's just like the kind of king fan who yeah. seems to just hate everything about being a genuine
2: fan. yeah, my advice to him if he's still going. Just don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> and he says something that I can't believe made the documentary edit. When he is... accuses Paul Scully of fiddling the gate. <laughs> yeah. He <accuses> that. <laughs> <laughs> what? So he says, I think Paul Scully's only here for the money and you're like, come on. Yeah. And then he goes, Last week they said that there were six thousand two hundred people. That was at least eight thousand. So he mm. basically accuses Paul Scully of announcing lower gates to cream the money off for himself.
3: Well, I, I'm not accusing Paul Scully, but that does feel like a very good way of of keeping money from a football club. Back in those days when it was pretty much all cash on the turnstiles,
2: you could easily... Yeah, but how long would the drip down go? That, that Scully's not counting the tickets. Who's involved? That, that's, a, yeah, that's, how... a, that's a
0: conspiracy, because he can't <laughs> pull that off on his own. Well, I, I... Lisa Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I used
3: to work in a summer job.
2: Yeah, she's fiddled her age. <laughs> <laughs> he says 22.
0: I
3: used to work in a summer job years ago and, and the person I worked with has passed away now, so I can say this, is he would count the cash out at the end of the day from the till in the restaurant and he'd go, one for me, one for the tax man, one for me,
1: one for the tax man. He shouldn't be saying
0: that. <laughs> I mean, saying
1: that out loud is his first mistake. Yeah. Also, he's paying 50% tax there. <laughs> High rate <of> tax.
2: <laughs> uh, um, so he accuses, so there's this guy. He's the guy who you might remember at the end of the last one was talking about how he had to go into work and people would take the piss out of him. Yeah. And he was saying, Addy, I can buy it. He should do my job. Yeah. Yeah. We, I'd love to know what his job is. What do you think? Oh, he hates it, whatever it, is. He's <laughs> furious. Because <laughs> then they go to Blackpool, there's some lovely kind of. There's a montage. There's a montage oh, of black. Seaside. Yeah. It uh, looks pretty grim. It looks I mean. grim. There's a picture of it. There's a donkey held by what can only be described as a, a man with no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they've also got a woman with a crystal ball. Oh, that's right. To deliver down the camera uh, that she's predicting promotion for a team called Gillingham. <laughs> a team called Gillingham? Or she's like a town called Gillingham? Oh, or like,
1: but also the way she says it's obviously they've fed her the line because you go, yeah. I'm predicting three points,
2: which is not a very <laughs> Mystic Meg kind of way of yeah. saying, <laughs> saying victory, is it? Yeah. Um, so there you get that trip. They lose, at, they lose at Blackpool. And then there's this bit about... Do you remember when Brighton were going out of business? And mm. they started sharing Gillingham's ground. Yeah. So then we get a kind of section on Brighton sharing Gillingham's ground. Very boring. Very boring because it's got nothing to do with Gillingham. It's a total filler. Um. Obviously, feel for Brighton in that situation, but it's a documentary about Gillingham.
1: <laughs> also, we know that Brighton are now fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. are doing considerably better than Gillingham. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> then, my favorite detail in the away trip is when the they say uh, spirits picked up Ooh. when a coach of Watford fans goes past on the motor. No,
1: it's not. It's the Watford team. Oh, it's the Watford team? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the
2: Watford team goes past. Yeah. Because,
1: oh. because it's an extraordinary coach because you can kind of see in and they've got these like old style lamps. You oh, look. Right. It looks like the interior of the Orient Express. <laughs> 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 Look like know. an
2: incredible coach. Well, Elton John was chairman. He would
1: like
0: he have an eye for design. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
2: But they all start. The Gilliam fans start singing "Taylor is a turnip" <laughs> as the <laughs> Watford coach goes past. <laughs> Um, uh, I wonder whether they were singing something else, and they were like, "Could you do a song that's, that we can broadcast?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a run-in with uh, like an opposition team
0: coach? Have you ever seen? When West Ham played Swansea in the FA Cup, when Swansea were far, far down the league, and uh, we had like a West Ham scarf out the window, and the Swansea fan coach came up beside us, and that one whole side of the coach moonied. Got oh, their beautiful! Oh, wow, down. that was that was big in the nineties. You don't really <laughs> yeah. see that anymore. You don't do you? Do anyone? anymore is that no. finished
1: i think it's become a kind of sexual sexual crime register type <laughs> thing isn't it like no i'm serious like wasn't there wasn't there a guy who mooned off the back of a i think it was a football away coach and got and is now on the sex offenders register <laughs> i'm pretty sure of it because i remember thinking at the time you know i'm obviously i'm against sex crimes but that's... <laughs>
2: <laughs> to me, a mooney doesn't feel like a sex film, yeah, does it? No. no, it doesn't really. It's, it's the most innocent way you could see someone's ass. Yeah. <laughs> it was at a school bus though.
1: <laughs> I'm not saying there. Were, I'm not saying people should be able to bear their ass with impunity at all times. I'm just saying within the context of yeah. a football fixture. I mean, it's a rich, yeah. it's a rich tra- or,
2: a, or a rugby tour. Yeah, it's
0: such a rich tradition, isn't it? Mooney? like Braveheart, mm. the, that documentary about William Wallace, they all they all uh,
2: get their bums out there and a bit of fun
0: <laughs> yeah. in it's war. A, it's a bit of fun. You don't do any. Can't do any more.
2: No, we've lost it. We've lost that from the. <laughs> the game's gone. The game's <laughs> gone. I bet that guy's livid. That Gillingham fan. <laughs> um, so then you get Fulham at home, and there's a bit of excitement around the ground because Kevin Keegan is the. He's not the manager. Ray Wilkins is the manager.
1: Oh yeah, that hadn't. That hadn't occurred. Yeah. So what is he? Keegan's the chairman?
2: like. No, he's not the chairman. He's like the director of football. He's like one of those. They give him a bizarre name that I didn't write down. So is Mohammed Al Fayed the, the owner of Fulham? It? Yeah. Yeah. And so they have a bit of. Banter about Paul Scully's tie, which I was looking forward to because I've seen that in the in the title sequence. Yeah, Keegan holding up Paul Scully's tie. And Keegan's kind of taking the piss a bit out of his tie, and Paul Scully, in a quite pathetic way, goes, <laughs> "I bought this in Harrods." <laughs> <laughs> <Slow> <laughs> <up. Yeah. laughs> so there we go. Now. Full disclosure to people listening, it then enters quite a grim section at the end of episode three, episode four, where a Fulham fan is killed at the match against Gillingham. It's very well dealt with in the documentary. We're not after the match, outside the match. O- outside the match. Yeah. Um, it's very well dealt with in the documentary. Um, I don't think it's the kind of thing we probably want to discuss on this. No. no. Um, I'd say the, the documentary pays its respects the best, but it does at all, but then... There's a bit where they have to phase back into it being a fun documentary, and the first game back uh, is the only game you see where they don't use Dario G as a sign of respect. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit less Dario G in these... Yeah, places. there was less games. Do you know what? I've never seen a picture
0: of Dario G, but I didn't think he looked like that. I know he's from Crew. Is he? Yeah,
2: because oh, he's oh. named after Dario Grady.
0: Shut up. He is. You're bullish. How did that not come up? What? I genuinely didn't know
2: that. You didn't know that? No, I thought it was, what? Just, it was, it was some you're winding European
3: like You're yeah. We've covered this, you're haven't we? No. No. I fully
1: assumed he
2: was German. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so. so Dario G is an English uh music producer from Crow, and he took the name Dario G from Dario Gradi. And I reckon we've probably had 40 emails about this in our time, but I've just thought everyone knows that, so I've never read them out.
0: No, oh, no idea. <laughs> That's amazing!
2: Did you not know that?
0: (laughs) that That's so weird. I thought
2: you were winding us up. Because he's so Euro. I didn't think he was English at all. No. Yeah, but that's why he's he's tricked you, isn't it? So that takes you kind of halfway into episode four. And is this where we first see Tony Pulish driving what
0: appears to be like a Corsa on the motorway, looking a lot like a travelling salesman?
1: Well, he looks... Is this the... He's wearing a kind of um, waistcoat and specs is that is that the one I'm thinking of or is this a different Wait,
0: where have I yeah
3: got... he's, he's sat in the car there's kind of Marion and Jeff vibes and he's wearing he's a tie sort of, yeah he's sort of talking down to a camera yeah a camera
0: on the passenger, passenger, seat.
3: passenger seat and you can't tell whether there's a cameraman in there with him or whether this is a kind of video diary. They've given him a camcorder and going, yeah, Tony just roll, we'll, we'll look through it in the edit.
0: And I think the voiceover says that's the. he's on the way to Grimsby for the second time that week to go yeah. watch.
2: It says a spying mission. Yeah.
0: yeah. Is, that why, that... is that why he's dressed like an antiques expert?
1: Like,
0: <laughs> <like, laughs> no one will recognise me. Yeah. The glasses, the big nose and the tash.
2: <laughs> a spying mission makes it sound so exciting, but what he's doing is he's scouting... Grimsby. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well,
1: he well, Actually, they say he wants to... They're playing Luton, and I think...
0: Oh, yeah, so he's crouching Luton. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets in the stand, opens his paper up, and there's two little
2: peep holes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the most underwhelming scenes I've ever seen in anything. Yeah. Because he just goes to watch it, and then they ask him what he thinks of it as he comes out, and he won't give them any information. As if the documentary's going to come out that week. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter. You can say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It
0: really struck me with this Tony Pulis bit. Like, lower league managers, like... It's such hard work. Mm. Like, dri- driving around, mm. like, st- driving twice to Grimsby. If I had to do that, that would break me in a week. And then on top of that, you're going to, the like, you're doing all the training, shouting in the dressing rooms, the stress of winning and losing. I think like, a lower league, league manager insane.
2: is must be one of the worst jobs you can do. He says also in it, when he's doing his Marion and Jeff bet, that he doesn't like office work, the office work. Yeah. What do you reckon that... Filing, this is the (laughs) 90s. He's having to do like lots of form filling and stuff.
0: I bet he's, yeah, I bet like again, lower league. You can see in those earlier episodes, like the woman who's on the phone doing the transfers, like they are clearly under resourced. I bet he's got, I bet he's spent a lot of his day doing admin.
2: Do you think Poulos comes out of this well?
1: I, um, off the back of watching these last four episodes, now really like him more than I did in the first two. I think, I don't know why. I think as, There's a bit later on, which we'll come to, where he's sitting in an Italian restaurant with a glass of red wine. And it made me think, he's like a proper Renaissance man. (laughs) (laughs) He can do it all. He can scream the seaward at a player or he can enjoy a glass of red wine in a Gillingham night spot. Yeah.
2: (laughs) <laughs> uh, that, uh, that is a great seat. We will come. Yeah, so I'm but, sure yeah, we'll that. No, no, yeah. yeah. But I do, yeah.
0: do you like him? I really like. Yeah. I surprisingly, I like him, and I think if he was manager of my football club, you know, he would be getting everything out of those players. But I would not describe him as a laugh. Like <laughs> no. you can, you can tell he is. He. I don't know. I don't imagine he has many hobbies. No, but he's, I, he's clearly very hardworking. I think. Yeah, like yeah. And just... great disu- great discipline. There's a bit where you kind of find out he's running a marathon.
2: Yeah, like oh, yeah. in
0: the week kind of and he's done it sub four hours. Yeah,
2: and what is he here like early forties at this point? Yeah. Um. So then we meet the physio. I had an astonishingly um, Proustian moment when the physio uh, came on the screen. Have you met him? No. But Wayne I James. had the same F H M calendar that he has on his wall.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the moment I saw it, it was Jenny McCarthy was the month it was on. Wow. And I just you know when you vivid like I was vividly remembered. I could I could probably tell you all twelve months that <laughs> Um So but it's such a nineties thing to have the, the bikini calendar on your wall. Yeah. That would not pass muster at a football club these days. I know. No. And quite right as well.
0: Bring it back. I want Moonies. <laughs> I want naked <laughs> calendars.
2: Or and hangers of Isla Fisher. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: I remember like uh, like growing up, my dad worked in a factory. And if I went down to the factory, they used to have the nudie calendars, like ones with, with boobs out. And then one year he had this nudie calendar where it was like, they looked like the women were wearing kind of lingerie. But if you licked licks the calendar, oh, they're, they're, like it would disappear. Like if you put oh, water on the God. calendar, God. The, 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 the lingerie would disappear for, like, until it dried up again. But because it was like a factory and like guys' hands like greasy, you'd go in there and at the end of the month, like whoever was on that month would have like oil. Smears, oh or my God. the kind of the bra and the that kind of the there. <laughs> It was so gross. You could see the guys in this factory.
2: No, I, I oh. went to, to the barber. I went to Brimson's in Newton Abbott. Um, they had uh, they had nudie calendars up, and <laughs> it's mad thinking back. So to so your right, when you're sat there, and you're like twelve. <laughs> There's, like, 90 degrees to your right in your blind spot, essentially. (laughs) There's there's just nudie pictures on the wall. So
1: they showed you the the back of your head with the mirror, Could you just see it through that. (laughs) But it was so distracting
2: for a (laughs) 12-year-old. Like, it's just... But it's such an insane kind of period of time. Do you see uh, Do you see those calendars anywhere these days?
0: No, no. No. Do they
1: make them? I assume they do. I assume. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I guess so they must do.
3: I found that calendar. That FHM. Calendar. Do you want to do a quick pop quiz? Oh, I can tell right, you, yeah. And yeah. And I And see t- how many of them. So just to make sure it's the right one. Jenny McCarthy was in a sort of blue. Like, yeah. Yeah, OK. It's the right
1: one. remember
2: what she's wearing? Well, it was in that Gillingham thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isla Fisher. Correct. Denise Van Outen. Correct. Sarah Cox. No. Uh, Melanie Sykes. Yep. Um, Sophie Anderton. Yep. Gail Porter. No. Uh, Carmen Electra, maybe.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Carmen Electra, Rona Mitra, uh, Terry Hatcher, Louise Nerding slash Redknapp, Melinda Messenger. And Ronan Keating. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Tony Pugh, ladies. That's why they got it at Gillingham. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa Marie Scully. <laughs> um, well, that's the largest thing we've ever yeah, done. A, this has got a very boys' club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. You should bring out a quickly, Kevin, calendar. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, would you be picking niche be 90s players or nudie? their kits would come off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. So, um, there's... Sorry, the physio... I don't know who he's treating. Oh, no, he's, is he talking to Tony Pulis?
1: No, he's treating a guy because he turns on this machine...
2: Oh, yeah.
1: ..that clearly is not doing anything. I, like, it looks very, very 90s. Yeah. It looks a bit like... What are they called, the things where you strap it on and it
2: gives you abs by, like, yeah, giving you yeah, yeah. a hot <laughs> <laughs> that You could buy off, you know. Yeah. It looks very much like he's seen it late night on QVC. It, absolutely. And he's said to Gilligan, we need this.
3: I thought he had a very, um... A very lovely bedside manner, the physio. Did you? At one point he says to him, um, he says, just relax, boy. In a way that he's sort of putting
2: down a beloved family <laughs> 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 he, um, he So then they have this kind of conversation with Tony Pulis where he it's very, the the passive aggressiveness of their relationship. So he talks about how he will give Tony Pulis advice. And then he goes, I'll say they're not fit. And then he goes ahead and plays them anyway, uh, but I'm joking. Yeah. And there's this whole thing where you know that the physio and Tony Pulis have rubbed up against each other about yeah. the fitness of. Tony Pulis is probably trying to get Guy Butters out with that <laughs> broken leg. But the physio also <laughs> says, like, if we're playing eleven players on a Saturday, eight will be carrying injuries.
0: Yeah, surely not. Surely, yeah. like, like, that's got to be peculiar to. There's Gillingham has got to and something case.
2: going wrong there. Um. Can I just say also, we haven't discussed how long Tony Pulis' coat is when he goes on his fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
0: can I have a... So just after that physio bit, there's an interview with Paul Scally on the side of the... Oh, maybe he's in the director's lounge or something at this point. But he comes up with a phrase that I'm not sure is a phrase, which is... A niche in our armour. Yes. yes. Is that a phrase? <laughs> no. no. It's a chink in the <laughs> <ones. laughs> armour. Like, Did I just missed that? <laughs> Did I miss they're, that? They're trying to find a niche in our
3: armour. But he says it with such conviction that I then Googled yeah. to check that I hadn't been saying
1: this. <laughs> Does it make sense in any way? No. No. <laughs> no okay. No. In that shot when um, Tony Poulis is walking into the Grimsby ground in his big long coat, Mm. uh, the sign above the Grimsby ground reveals that one of the stands was paid for by Finder. I (laughs) know. The crispy pancake stand. (laughs) And then that that reminds me when I was on here last time uh, that one of Gillingham's uh sponsors is Mr Hamman who is the butcher that sponsors one of it was on the hoardings around the ground. Oh, yeah. and then since I did the episode someone tweeted me and about Mr Hamman and said that they that they also sponsored another team or something anyway i went on company's house <laughs> and i'm sad to uh, to report that Mr Hamman is no longer trading oh, uh, when did he finish sad. i think it was like Quite It was like 1999 or something, so oh, they, the fa- they went from the highs of uh, <laughs> sponsoring Gillingham to complete oh,
2: liquidation. That, <laughs> a real sad time. Are Finder still going? <laughs> yes, surely. Could you buy a crispy pancake these days?
0: I reckon you could, yeah. Do you think in the Finder stand, you, you could only eat like fish fingers, <laughs> crispy pancakes, <laughs> <laughs> potato wedges?
2: Um, so after that game, so this is the first game post-Fulham, and they do genuinely, they have a minute's silence. Oh, no, the first home game post-Fulham. They have a minute silence, and then they just slowly, more slowly than usual, fade up Dario G during the during the match, which is an astonishing. Like, just trying to ease it in. <laughs> oh wait, we've got to
0: talk about so Gillingham scoring that game, and they have like a pre-rehearsed celebration for their oh, goal. I didn't see this. where one of them, someone like kind of like lead like sits on it goes on all fours another player gets on his back and starts drumming oh yes! Oh, and then like yeah. someone else is like the drum kit yeah How like, so they this? all they
2: all kind of gather oh, around what? and yeah, yeah. One, i missed that one of, completely one, one of
3: them's playing bass
2: <laughs> <What>? yeah this <but laughs> hey, is amazing can ha- hey,
3: he buy sits and he's drumming,
0: <laughs> he's
2: drumming. Of, course, of course he's what he always wanted to play sax
0: and i thought but you know because chelsea did that one didn't they where they all kind of got into a rehearsed position yeah Why don't was isn't there more kind of like collective group celebrations like where everyone's got a little role that's rehearsed. Because was there, there was was like an
1: it. Icelandic team for a while where that was their thing? And every time they scored, they they like all
0: create a train or
2: something. <laughs> oh, yeah. is that right? Or yeah. the fishing,
0: one of them would go yeah. fishing and catch one of the other but players. If you give
2: all the players a role, then when you sub on, do they have to brief you on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're picking up four or five. Yeah,
2: and... you're, uh, your guitar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> The other, so, uh, so, Chillingham score, and then when Luton score, it was obviously like Tony Pulis is mic'd up, and, and I loved his reaction, because I thought it was like a reaction that any fan would have when you score a goal. He just goes, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, yeah, he's like, that's exactly what everyone else does, in the terraces. And then they look at the table, they, they show the table on Teletext, which just really obviously is, takes you back. And then we have an interview with a young guy called Jimmy... Jimmy Corbett, who's posing on the pitch behind a football, and he looks so small because of the perspective compared to the football. It's quite boring. Uh, There's not much in it. But then, my favourite moment... I don't know if you clocked what they've done, but my favourite thing that happens in the whole of the six episodes is you get the cell for next week. Now, in the cell, Tony Pulis (laughs) drops the C-bomb twice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And
2: you hear it. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he says... They dropped a C bomb twice, and then when it happens in the following week's episode, it's beeped. <laughs> so what I can only imagine is they've taken the raw footage as the cell and forgotten to bleep it. Yeah. In the, when, the
1: oh, of... episode three went out one week. They got a massive fine from Ofcom
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe I found it astonishing that he was dropping the (laughs) C-bomb he says says, you're as good as that do you
2: think that's a mistake oh it must be or do you think it is like they've re-edited it after complaints it's amazing that they've chosen that clip well you're not allowed to use the
3: C-bomb unless it's extreme justification do (laughs) do you
0: know that isn't the only time that the C-bomb appears because at the start of the next episode I think the Gillingham are playing Wrexham and you see Paul Scully walk past the away Wrexham fans and someone so, you dirty English c-. Like, It's there, <laughs> it's there <and> Paul Scaly.
2: <laughs> like, like, obviously they've missed it. Um but as terms of a sell for next week, Tony Pulis saying that twice was absolutely <laughs> Edge of I say And then we come to ep five and the start of Ep five is one of my favourite scenes. Is this Paul Scally and his son? Yeah. Paul Scally Rodian. In the plough. Oh the roading, <laughs> yes. The plowing shrewd. So, so it starts and they've set it up so the camera is in the van. Like you see from in the van and then the back door's open and someone takes a box out and it's Paul Scally. So that's obviously quite a big setup because the camera's behind the items in the van. Yeah. And it's Paul Scally. And he is um setting up the PA system in a pub for his wife's geek that evening. And I mean, in terms of excitement, I was really <laughs> I what do you think's going on there in that relationship? Because Paul Skelly doesn't need to be doing that, so he's going above and beyond. Well, what do you mean doesn't need to be doing that? Well,
0: in what capaci- he doesn't need to capacity.
2: be the person that's setting up the PA. Yeah. On wife, match it, day. But if
1: his wife goes, I'm doing a gig tonight, will you help me set up the PA? He can't go, I'm the chairman of gym! <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but I'd, I'd have thought he'd go, I'll get you someone to sort out a good PA for you tonight. Right, I see. But maybe I'm just over over imagining how how much of a millionaire's lifestyle Paul Scully leads.
0: <laughs> but do you do you think he's doing it just this once for the documentary, or do you think he's doing it
2: every week? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if she's gigging every week. I thought with their
3: relationship, it would be a bit like you know the famous story of um, William Randolph Hearst, who's the, the Citizen Kane was based on. Yeah. And I thought this was going to be a millionaire sort of bankrolling his younger wives, sort of. Uh, pipe dream of becoming a pop star and there would be these series of increasingly larger venues that, yeah. uh, that Paul Scully is paying for Lisa Marie a, to... There'd be a
1: scene where they're in Abbey Road yeah. and he's, he's paying <laughs> a million pounds a minute. To her
2: uh, he says quite a sweet thing. He says, I'd love to be able to sing, but that passed me by. It's oh, <laughs> not too late, Paul. No, it's not too late. Well, we, well, see. we, see, <laughs> later on. we see him <laughs> sing. He also refers to... Is it his son? I think it's his son now, yeah. and he goes,
1: here he is, Bart Simpson. Yeah, I love that. What a reference, <laughs> Bart Simpson. He goes, this is Bart Simpson
2: with his gel. <laughs> what does he say, with, with his gel? With well, his this gel. is the early days of gel, surely. Yeah. yeah. I bet Bart Simpson, as well, whatever his son was called, had the that gel that was like... 69p or whatever it was that had, In the that was like Coloured Yeah like With the, the green Bubbles Bubbles in it Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really, hate that gel It
1: really did take me back that Just the mention of gel I was like Oh gel It was like, <laughs> it was
0: like, <laughs> it was like You and your FHM calendar It like, took me back I never saw that gel In like barber shops Oh like, no I it in the, had quantity, the, the con- spa really, mm, The quantity yeah. They would sell it in Was enormous yeah. yeah Like a bucket of the stuff It was also really weak I never found it Wet look. luck we yeah, so.
3: In uh, high school but in the, in the time of the French crop, uh, we <laughs> played in a rugby game and I'd say three quarters of the team were very heavily gelled and it started raining and the game got abandoned because the gel in the hair went down into people's eyes. <laughs> Their <laughs> eyes were starting to burn and there were like too many players <laughs> walking
2: around going, I can't see, and they had to abandon the match. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, Amazing. Um... So then, then. Can I ask
0: a quick question about uh, Lisa Marie doing this gig? Do you yeah. think it's, it was part of the documentary deal? Paul yeah, 100 This access is in return for you're going to because... f- come to the pub and film her
2: gig. Well, do we want to get onto the gig or should we? Cause it... Oh, it's a gig. No, because we see the gig later. We go to a match. Oh, we just the see them yeah. set
0: up first. Okay. But
2: there is evidence later that 100% Paul Scalley is insisting that Lisa Marie's gig makes the edit. <laughs> because then we go to the game. So it's pre-game. There's a load of cups in the middle of the floor of the dressing room, and I don't. Yeah, know. I don't, what is that about?
3: Is it for people to just take them as they come in? They can't They're like afford, on they the floor the in the
2: middle, just some plastic cups. Yeah, wasn't
3: it? like they've been playing beer pong before they went out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the match v Wrexham. Pewdis at one point shouts nothing clever as an instruction to the team, which sums up his <laughs> playing style. <laughs>
3: There's, there's a bit before that, and it's a sort of common theme on this show with managers and players, where the basis of the motivational talk seems to be like, win the first tackle, win the first header. And if you do that, the game's won. It's like, if you're the player who loses the first tackle, is your head then just gone for the rest yeah. of the game? You just can't play for 90 minutes. Yeah, they're obsessed with the first tackle. Yeah, Gary Neville was as well. It's like, you just want to win your first tackle.
1: But what happens if you don't? Yeah, because
2: half the people on the pitch aren't going yeah. to.
1: Imagine if it turned out that in all football games for all time, it just (laughs) came down to who won the first tackle. And the entire 90
2: minutes was just... 50,000
0: people marching out of the ground (laughs) after two minutes. I'm going to look out for the run the um... stats and see if it see if it checks out. (laughs) Something that interested me is when when Pulis drops those C bombs. He's kind of telling a player to mark someone, and it and they kind of have like like it turns into like a, a conversation, and the player convinces him that he hasn't done any wrong, and Pulis goes, "Okay, fair enough, fair enough." And I was like. I wouldn't have expected that because I thought Hulis yeah. would be really kind of headstrong and be up for a round, like, forcefully say something, you've got to
2: agree with him. But he yeah. sounded like he kind of had a rapport with the players, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. I don't think he's as prehistoric as you imagine him yeah. as a manager, if you know what I mean. I think he's a bit cleverer than I thought he was.
0: And I would have thought, like, especially a manager with his kind of reputation in this age, wouldn't it be up for negotiating with his no. players. But and it, was, it surprised me that he was. He does come out of it well.
1: Also, what's interesting about that, he's like giving someone the hair dry treatment, but there's one player called Smudger who's doing really well apparently. So he's like, Smudger's having a great game and smudger keeps getting and he's like, Get it to Smudge. Like who is Smudger? We've not <laughs> yeah. We've not heard about
2: him in all of the other episodes. Also, but suddenly he's the star player. Do you think that's like really embarrassing for Smudger? <laughs> <laughs> like in front of his mates. Well You know when all your mates are being told off, but you're not in trouble.
0: Well, I've got a theory in there, because later on we find out that Paul Smith was player of the season. A Smith, Smudger, that often Uh, gets... But who's Paul Smith? He's player of the season. I don't don't know anything about him. Nothing at all. Do you
2: reckon Smudger's like a hand puppet, the one that's wearing? He then ends the talk by saying, see you Monday at one o'clock. Surely they should start earlier than that, on a Monday. Morning's off. But they—it's right. such a cushy life, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like we were talking about, the the Manu documentary that we also talk about this series—they do two hours a day. It's so easy being a footballer in those days. Yeah, I think is it harder now? Well, I don't know. Well, probably and this podcast has set, set out to not find out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but <laughs> I thought... football ended on the thirty first of December, nineteen ninety nine.
2: Exactly. <laughs> One
0: thing that I thought is like the first two episodes certainly really focus on the personalities, like Adi Ackenheimbauer and Andy Hessenthaler, Guy Butters. Hmm. The second half, they've got no interest in the personalities anymore. No. And it's kind of just a, it literally becomes about this, the season unfolding,
2: which was a shame. Well, I think what happens is they actually end up in a promotion chase. Whereas when it starts, they're kind of a bit mid-table. But the form means that actually there's a story. There's a story, yeah. yeah. So then we get to Lisa Marie's gig in the pub. Um, she's um, wearing um, a brilliant Paul... dress that's got a huge pair of lips on it. <laughs> yeah. Paul Scally tees it
0: up with the quote, um, big voice, little pub.
2: <laughs> Is that what he <laughs> says? <laughs> um, so... I'm not saying that there was a deal that they had to show this. How All it? I'm saying is the amount of footage of Lisa Marie singing one of the songs...
1: Now, I'm going to push back on this conspiracy theory. I think if you're making a documentary where you haven't got that much to film apart from <laughs> the players knocking around in the newsroom, yeah. someone singing The Reason by Celine Dion is kind of like... <laughs> it's absolute gold, isn't it? Like, <laughs>
2: But what, what made me think this is no longer a documentary is at one point the camera does one of those... Angled turns like on top of the pot. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I know, the lighting. (laughs) They
2: turn the camera and like... like like, Slow zoom. Yeah.
0: I liked it. (laughs) Do you know what as well? Credit. She's good. Good voice. Good voice. voice. She is good. And this is like before X Factor, so this is your one chance, really. Yeah. Like, the documentary on Jenningham, this could be the thing that breaks
2: it. It looks like a really tough gig as well. Yeah. Like, mid, like corner Stuck of a pub. Stuck in a corner, basically. Yeah, it,
0: yeah, yeah. You, it cuts to the bar. There's like eight guys all drinking like pints of bitter. Yeah. Right? They, they, I don't know what Lisa Marie's audience would have been, but I doubt it's those, that, that
2: demographic. Um, and then they have Paul Scully's there with some of his mates. Who, oh, oh, some absolutely gross banter. <laughs> Awful banter. <laughs> <laughs> Someone makes a joke. Have they just played Raxon? Someone makes a joke about Welsh people and then... Paul Scalley brings them up on it because Tony Pulis as well. And then one of them's like, no, he's not, is he? <laughs>
3: and, like, he hasn't noticed. <laughs> well, one of them makes a joke about, like, him booking gigs. And then one of them That's tries right. to riff on something to do with Ryan. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. And then he goes, <laughs> I'd like to have gigs on my side. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, if he was a referee, then you could do booking gigs and yeah.
0: booking gigs. But he's not a referee. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not it's, the best banter. It's not the best banter. But, but it do, you,
1: do you think that their banter... In a more natural scenario, their banter would flow.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, think so. yeah. But
1: there's suddenly, there's a camera there, and they're having yeah. to banter like professionally, For-
0: forcibly banter. Yeah. yeah. And- it's they're just pulling at any straw. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, God, but yeah. So there must be something in gigs. Ryan gigs. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> but then at the end of the gig, Paul, oh, Paul Scali comes up behind these very cuddles everyone behind. And then what? So what, what is what are they singing rhythm's gonna get you? I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah. I, I can't it's, remember. It's more sings.
2: of a hard cut, so you think the gig's more or less done. I think it cuts, I don't know how much later it is on the night, but they're kind of spooning on the dance floor yeah. stage thing, and she they're singing a song together.
0: Yeah. yeah. It kind of it really reminds me reminded me of, like, we must have been to, like, family parties in the 90s, where if, yeah. like, if there's, like, a karaoke, right at the end of the night, like, the embarrassing uncle
2: will kind of yeah. get up there and sing, really, really harks me back to those great days. It was a really, I really enjoyed it as a spectacle, because it did take you out of the Gillingham FC element.
1: It also it, seemed uh, to be from, like, an older time, like, it, yeah. it was, like this isn't the
2: night. this is, like, the 80s or the 70s. Yeah, it was, it, it looked like it the look- kind of thing where you... Shoot a bit of only fools and horses. Yeah, <laughs> like it felt like that. That atmosphere, the the gigs banter wouldn't have maybe made the cut. Um, then they play Plymouth. Were you there? I think I was. I would have been there because I had a season ticket that year. <laughs> I have no
0: memory of this game. <laughs> Um, I love the look of home park at this era. Like everyone at this point has kind of moved on to modern goals with like the stanchions of the like the the, the like connecting yeah. with string. And you've got those old like Wembley early '90s goals still with the kind of pole stanchion inside the yeah. goal. What was the home park? What was it
2: like then? It was fine. Um, it felt good in those days. That's the mad thing. Although I don't know how good it was because one of the stands got condemned and got <laughs> shut down. But I think we were back in it by that point. But I remember once we were sitting in the seated area, the Lindhurst stand, and a ball was cleared. And you know at the top of the roof, there's, like, the advertising boards? Yeah. It just smacked one and a huge piece of metal fell down. (laughs) Not huge, but, like, a piece of metal fell down. So there's a bit here with Nicky Trigger Southall.
1: (laughs) I mean, in general, what now happens is just, like, a cavalcade of... Just awful pranks and shit banter, yeah. and just... It looks awful. <laughs> yeah, it looks...
2: It looks not my scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andy Hessenthaler seems to be a pranker-in-chief as well, which I was slightly disappointed. couldn't understand what he did that was the prank. He kind of tries to prank the cameraman. He had yeah. a napkin in yeah. his hand.
3: Yeah. yeah. He sort of holds it up in front of the camera uh, and they're all cracking up laughing. There's, there's an anecdote that happens in the bedroom with those two players. Yeah. That... Is one of the worst stories I've ever heard. It has I, I zero so
1: payoff. But... I I was like, what? Is... Well, no, they, they are they are describing or explaining why he's called Trigger.
0: Nikki Southall is called Trigger. Yeah, and they and go, here's a funny story. And
1: they explain why. And then by the end, you've got still no idea why he's called Trigger.
0: <laughs> so he kept getting his wheel trims nicked. So he super glued them on, and then he got a flat tire and he couldn't take the wheel trims off. You know, yeah. like like, and trigger. that's why we
2: called him Trigger. <laughs> Because of Only four Horses, is that a bit thick? That's kind of what they're saying.
3: Yeah. It seemed like in the 90s, every club had a player called Tristan. Yeah, it really (laughs) felt like that.
2: (laughs) And a smudger. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, It just looks terrible. Because what's funny about this episode is there's this overriding narrative of they're doing really well at home, but they're not getting the results away. And it's like, how can we be so good at home, but we're not doing that well away? And then you see what they're doing in the hotel, and you're like, (laughs) because of this. (laughs) And... Tony Goulis <laughs> is like really proud of the fact that he lets them get like prepare themselves for the game. So he's like, Oh, as long as they're in bed by a certain time, it's fine. They can do whatever they want. But in reality, all that means is that they're like, there's a guy Dressed as an old man, yeah. like he puts on like a he puts on like a mask of an old man and wears like a a shawl, and he's just dicking about. And like and
2: that's Keep right. Some prep for the match, guys. But,
0: but don't they not? They didn't know who that was. They knew it was a play, but they couldn't tell who it was dressed up as an old it man. It was such a weird bit. But what's the prank?
1: Like oh, there's a, there's an old old man in the lift. Oh no, it's not. It's guy Butters. Like, but, oh.
3: but the mask is so bad. It's not like one of those sort of Mission Impossible masks where you're. Like, oh my God! That was a young man. It's like, <laughs> that's clearly a man
1: wearing an old man's mask. And he's
3: wearing mask. kind of like
1: Big shawl, like like he's Moses or something, yeah, <laughs> like, oh, like the Dalai Lama or
3: something.
0: <laughs> also, it cuts to Tony Pulis, and he kind of says he doesn't condone this behaviour. He thinks they're kind of mucking about, not taking it seriously enough, which is, I found surprising because, like, he's a disciplinarian. Yeah, I think he would have stamped down on that. But
1: that's what I'm saying. He's, he seems really proud of the fact that he's like, no, no, we let them. We let them do what they want. And it's like, why? Like, he, just seems, he seems very proud of this
2: like philosophy he's got that they should just dick about before knew the game. that Tony Pudis was one of the last great football hippies?
0: Yeah.
2: Really? <laughs> like, uh, then they beat Plymouth. Last minute winner. Last minute winner. Leading then... to a huge cliffhanger, really. A huge cliffhanger, which is, are they going to make the playoffs? Yeah. I don't want to ruin it, but my prediction at this point was that they weren't going to make the playoffs. Because had they made the playoffs, the sale would have been, how are they going to do in the playoffs? <laughs> Do you know yes, what I mean? Yes. I didn't think about
0: that. I, do you know what? I thought I knew what happened this season. I thought they got to the player final, but they, oh, they right. didn't. So, oh, so I, I, was, I was actually really surprised. Because
2: when... <laughs> <laughs> that's the following season, isn't it? I think yeah, yeah, the following season. I got it mixed up. Yeah. So the final episode starts, they're in Plymouth, and Paul Scally has chartered a private jet his own plane that's what the voice ever says like his private jet
1: i have not got a handle on how much money pulls
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> he's setting up amps in a pub and then flying on a private jet
2: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't add up but he's one of the people who, if you look after the pennies, the pounds will look after themselves. <laughs> he's not going to pay a road manager. And then um, Tony Pulis is just running a marathon, which I think is very impressive, a week from the end of the season. We've had nothing about this, but he's obviously a very fit man. You know how this documentary keeps mentioning people you've never heard of before? Yeah. <laughs> My favourite bit is when Tony Pulis is talking about his prep for the marathon. He says, "We'll fly back, then I'll have a bite to eat at Dave Boniface's house. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Bonnyface. <laughs> 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 he's not come up yet. But Pulis has thought this uh, he's made the edit that he's going from Bite Tree to Dave Bonnyface's <laughs> place. He also does a classic I've been a bit Fluey, so he gets in his excuses yeah. as well. But he does very well. And then um there's a really weird scene, considering it's quite an important bit of the season. If Fiona Oro earlier in the season, they've sold him, just comes back.
1: So I oh, couldn't really work out what had happened. Had they bought him back? No, he just comes back because he misses it. Oh. Yeah, it's so weird. It's sort of as like a morale-boosting
3: exercise. He comes and trains with them.
1: Oh, because I thought they've he'd sold... re-signed him or something. No, they oh. sold him to a different club. And they they sort of act as if like the heart and soul of the club had been
2: ripped out when he left. <laughs> yeah, he just pops in, <laughs> trains with them. Also, he kisses the badge. And you're like, I don't know where he went. Where did he go? But they must be absolutely Swindon. Swindon must be absolutely fuming.
0: Well, do you know what? Swindon then loaned him back to Gillingham in uh, two thousand, and then he re-signed for Gillingham in two thousand. He missed oh, it that much. See it yeah. coming.
1: It's like it's like when someone has an affair, and then they go with their off with their new girlfriend, but they knew
2: they know it's a mistake within within months. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> back with their old wife.
2: Well, it. the <laughs> phrase he says is he kisses the badge. and He says, "Kiss that badge. Wish I'd never gone." And you're like, Ooh. what are you doing?
0: Yeah. So this is then like last game of the season. They need to win to get into the playoffs. But there's no Lisa Marie at the game today because, as Paul Scally says, she's on the Gillingham hen night. Yeah. What the is Gillingham that? The Gillingham hen night. So is that what the is wives
3: the Gillingham of hen of night? The... Yeah. He seems a bit concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does, like, I think he. as a man with a younger wife, uh, a Gillingham Hen Knight is a sort of thing where <laughs> alarm bells are
1: going off. <laughs> but is, it, is Gillingham Hen Knight like a euphemism, like a Glasgow smile? <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what could it mean? <laughs> yeah.
3: so there's, there's a bit around 5.34 where we meet the club secretary again. She returns. Yeah. She's giving some kind of sum up. And there's this noise in the background. Yes. That is like... It's not even a fire alarm. It's like a foghorn going off. And firstly, she never breaks a sweat. She doesn't even blink. But also, if you're the documentary maker... Just get her to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> like she's, it's not like you haven't got access to Let's it. Let's have a listen to it. Have you got the episode on? Episode 6, 5.34-ish.
1: It's similar, because in episode 2, there's a bit where they're in the same office and there's that that loud buzzing noise all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. we got an email in to say that they thought that was dial-up internet, but I don't think it no, was. No, this what, what, what was the time code, sorry? Uh,
3: around Epi- 5.34-ish of episode 6. Oh
2: We've God.
1: been inundated with from
0: <laughs> people that are still asking for <laughs> sitting, <laughs> sitting <laughs> which we can't <laughs> what is that <laughs> that's that's a
1: car horn what, it's, in like the a office? Car. Yeah, it's like a clown car <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Uh, also God. in the previous scenes to that um we see someone else who's working in the office and it reminded me of th- something that was we had in the 90s that i completely forgotten about which is on the front of the computer screen was this kind of like what were they? They were like a sort oh, those of guard things. that went over the front that, like, made it all
2: blue. Yeah, to stop <laughs> to you stop... getting kind of burned retinas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Were
2: they, like... Were they actually useful? Or... No, I don't think hey, so. They were like fabric things, were they? Well, they? No, they were like blue glass, weren't they? Well, they were too... It's because... Do you remember, like, in the 90s, you couldn't really sit too near a TV because you might get something off it, like static or something? What, like Gulf War Syndrome? yeah <laughs> I don't know, there was always warnings about it going too close to the TV. Right. Yeah. But there But then it kind of happened with computers that, because they were so unfamiliar, people thought they were going to kind of get radiation or something. Yeah.
1: But I'm pretty sure that that must have just all been completely wasted money because I'm, I'm sure you can look at a screen, <laughs> kind like, if, if the modern era proves anything, is that you can look at a screen and be
2: fine. Yeah. And then it just, you, the game kind of passes by quite quickly, doesn't it? It just ends nil-nil. Yeah, and that's they it. They draw so many games nil-nil. Mm-hmm. But then you get to see the end of season party. Very good. Really good. It appears to be taking place.
1: They sort of dressed the room so it looks like it's in a circus big top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I guess it's Gilliam Colours, is it? But... but it is in a marquee, isn't it? Because I Because
3: there's a shot towards the end where you can see that sort of tapered roof as it sort of sits, which is a weird way to...
1: But I think they've put it inside a building. Um, it looks like a brilliant
2: party. <laughs> yeah, it look, the disco plays wham. There's a great moment where a guy kind of puts his hand over the camera. Like, because there's a lot of shots of them having fun. kinds kind of like Liam Gallagher would or something. I think
3: that's Andy Hessenthaler. Is that Andy Hessenthaler? So, yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a shot of his kid at one point. Jake. Jake, who... Uh, is an exact clone of him. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that when someone has a child, and it's not like a young version of you. It's you. It's his transported
2: <laughs> on a child. He's a kind of hero, Andy Hessenthaler, in it? He definitely figures more than anyone, except Adi Akinbayi. But I'd didn't. It never really clocked Andy Hessenthaler before in my life. No. But he is, he's like 33 by then. Yeah. yeah. Played until, yeah,
0: into his 40s.
1: But then, as you said, they then do the Player of the Year... Yeah, and it is someone I'm sure they haven't mentioned. Yeah. Paul Smith.
0: Paul Smith. Unless
1: it's, unless he is smudger, <laughs>
2: He must be it's Paul Smith. First mention of him, he's willing to play of the year. And you're wondering, cause some of the interviews are quite boring with the players. Are Hessenthaler Tala and Akumbayi the only ones, and Butters the only ones that have granted access? Yeah, maybe. Or have the, the other, other players just been so, so woefully so bro- but... bad that there's nothing in it? Have we seen Tony Pulis eating
0: dinner? One, he, like so uh, this is the Italian restaurant. The Italian restaurant. Well, it, oh, it's a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was like a leisure center or something.
1: No, no, no. That looks like Gillingham's top Italian restaurant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> before that, though,
1: well, before that, that Pulis gives a speech at the oh, awards yeah. due or the end of year due. And there's a really funny bit where he's talking about how the club's done really well. And he says to Paul Scalley, like, thank thank you for building the new stands. And yeah. that's really that's a credit to you. And then he says something like, but at the end of the day, you know, even if you've got a nice stand, it's, it's, it's nothing if you haven't got the right players. And I thought, is he going to lay into the players? <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: you can take that two ways, can't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a weird, but there's a kind of maudlin atmosphere. Because that... is it the night of the game? I think so. So that that get, that party was either going to be really depressing... Yeah. I hang think... on, if you
1: were going into the
2: Yeah, playoffs, or if they were in the playoffs, were they going person? to cancel the party?
1: I'm pretty sure
3: it's the night of the game. I think the voiceover says something along those lines, like, you know, despite the deflated atmosphere, yeah. it's the club party that night.
2: Yeah, and so would you think they cancel the party if they're in the playoffs? Or they send the marquee dressing back to the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> <They're> the circus. <laughs> um, and then we see Pulis in the restaurant. So good. So it really set up. He set, "I think the restaurant's empty." Yeah, he's got a bottle of red and a um, bit of pasta, a bit of salad, a bit of pasta, a bit of salad. He's just kind of, what what's he talking about? It's pretty boring. I can't
0: really remember. I, I, can't, I was just focused on what he was eating.
2: Yeah. I was like, that's really interesting. He would go for like like filled pasta and a salad and a glass of red. It's daylight outside. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a set-up shot. Because we also see the players finding out if they're staying or going.
1: He's talking about uh, the fact that they're going to sell Adiak and buy because it's good business for the club. So they bought oh, him yeah. for a quarter of a million. He's going for 1.2 million. And yeah. he's basically kind of going like, we can't. We, yeah. have to, we have to sell him and all that kind of stuff.
2: They also sell Jimmy Corbett, who... Um, they sell him for 525 grand. He's like 17. I've never heard of him. So he never played him. a game for Blackburn. He went really? to Blackburn, yeah, never played play a game g- in yeah. five years.
1: Yeah. What happened to him after Blackburn?
2: I think he just, just went on it, loan to various clubs, yeah, but it never, never really... really happened. So this was the high point for Jimmy Corbett. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. It's weird, that isn't it? Because in this, you think Jimmy Corbett must have thought, this is happening. Yeah. I'm joining one of the biggest teams in the Premier League. So he played 17 games for
0: Gillingham, then went to Blackburn, where he didn't play a game for five years. He went on loan to Portsmouth, where he didn't play a game, went to Darlington, played 10 games. got sold to Southend United in 2003, played 23 games. And then after 2005, just goes to non-league clubs and doesn't really feature heavily.
2: Sad, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite a grim ending, all things considered, because then you end up... Adi Akinbari's gone to Bristol City... And they seem to have more access to Adiakanbi than anyone because they filmed his, him coming off the pitch after his first game for Bristol City, and he hasn't scored. And he's kind of talking to the camera, but you can't make out what he's saying. Yeah. And I was like, they,
0: did they send the Gillingham documentary people to a Bristol City game, or is yeah, that just random?
2: I think, so. think Adiakanbi has obviously loved the documentary, and then um, and then it ends with a three minute montage of the season. Yeah. Way too long. Way too, too long. long.
3: Is that the one that's set to this sort of weird panpipes version of Shine On You Crazy shine Diamond?
0: Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. set to Shine On You Which Crazy Diamond. Which is a
2: diamond. bizarre musical <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, is this Wish You Were Here? now?" it's Shine On Your Crazy Diamond. Such
3: a weird choice to have. And there's also, you know, at the end of a film, especially a sort of film based in real life, you'll get those little sort of stat pages where it'll go, oh, and this is what happened to that person. Yeah, at like the end
1: of Goodfellas or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, there's one with more than one person. But the guy called AD
1: Pennock. Yeah, similarly, I was like, and I'm like "Who's that?" Who? <laughs> you never mentioned him once, and suddenly you're wrapping up his life story. Really? But also, the fact for Pennock was just that he's staying at the club. I think I don't even think it was. <laughs> at, at no point had we been told he might be
3: leaving. <laughs> there's, there's a lovely little moment with Andy Hestencel um, and his son, and they say um, the future of Gillingham is hopefully in good shape. You know, if his son has anything to do yeah. with it and he, the toddler runs on. And then obviously we've discussed what then happens in
2: later years. So that's a sweet, sweet little closure yeah. to the film. I think the Hessenthalers are the real heroes. I like, I really liked Tony Pulis. To be honest, I liked Paul Scally. Yeah. I think from that documentary, he does a good job there. Yeah. I don't know it well enough. I don't know the club well and enough. And I think we've Unless done... Unless is screaming off the gate, in which case... <laughs> <laughs> which, that, which is illegal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I- like, we've seen lots of clubs of a similar kind of stature to Gillingham and enough of this era to know that it's actually quite difficult to run a football club like that. Yes. And when you yeah. look at what Gillingham kind of achieved in, like, in his tenure, which continues to this day, he, I think he's done a good
2: job. But th- he's always kept the ship yeah. quite steady. I think also he just seems like he's a professional person that's not a chancer. Hmm. And
0: Um, I think he's got a kind of steeliness that if I was a fan of Gillingham, I would like because I think you know he's he'd be acting in your best interest and he's not like he won't take prisoners. Yeah. Do you want a bit of postscript as to what yeah. happens after? So the so the documentary ends. Following season, Pulis gets, they get in the playoffs. They get to the playoff final. They're 2-0 up against Man City with two minutes left. And then obviously Man City scored twice. Goes to penalties and then uh, City win 3-1 in a penalty shootout. And then after the game, Paul Scally and Pulis fall out. He gets sacked for gross misconduct. And there's a long trial, the results of which are... I don't know.
2: Oh. <laughs> what the trial yeah, there was a trial! trial. They, they, they presses... went, it went.
0: It went. It was a big legal process because he tried to sack him for gross misconduct. Do we know what he sacked him for? Well, according to probably calling
1: G- him a cunt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if I <we're> had to guess. <laughs> Um, it was settled out of court in 2001 for £75,000. So, wow. yeah, Scally sacked Pulis amidst claims of gross misconduct. Pulis took Scally to court, suing him for £400,000, but it was eventually settled out of court in
2: 2001 for £75,000. There we go. Pulis went on to
0: great things. And Pulis went on,
2: yep. yeah. And Scally has done a good job at Gillingham. So, yeah. everyone's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, who's losing out? No one? No yeah, one. Jimmy no Jimmy Cricket or whatever he's called that went to black <laughs> <again. laughs> <laughs> Ben Partridge, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Gillingham FC. That was Benjamin Partridge, who run a brilliant Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Um, I, I still say it, you can... Meet Matt LaTissier or Gary Neville as much as you want, but my favourite ones are always the documentaries. I love unpicking them. I love it. I don't know how many times we can say this, but how were so many documentaries about football clubs made in the mid-90s? It blows my mind.
0: For me as well, I don't think we've actually done what I think might be the best one of all the documentaries, which is Swindon's documentary yes. under Glenn Hoddle, which we we talked about doing a while ago. We started watching a bit of it. It is, I've seen it, a little glimpse behind the curtain. It's fantastic, and I'm sure we do that next that's,
2: series. That's yeah. first on the list. First on the list. And now, uh, well, it's our second Gillingham quiz. I'm fascinated to know what Michael's going to do with this.
3: Well, I had a, a bit of a deep dive into Gillingham fixtures, and... It's so difficult. Bearing that in mind, I've sort of leveraged it slightly and I've, I've used the star man of the documentary, uh, Mr. Adi Akinbaei, mm. but I've, I've taken a game from his time at Norwich before he moved to Gillingham. And this is Norwich City versus Aston Villa, 14th of May, 1995. It was the last game of that season before Norwich went down. Chris, would you like to go
0: first? So, so that's the conclusion of the 94-95 season.
3: Yeah. Villa versus Norwich.
0: I'm gonna go Chris No, I'm not. Spencer <laughs>
2: Spencer Pryor. Oh wow, what happened? It's never a good story. It's <laughs> Michael... Michael... Michael's internet gone now. <laughs>
3: just triple checking. Uh, incorrect.
2: Uh, oh Um ED. Darren. Oh my god. What a start. We've both lost our lives straight away. Incorrect. Oh, Lately. no. What a shocking opening here. I'm presuming we're not allowed, A.D. Akinbati. That would be... I didn't say you couldn't. I'm not going <laughs> to that. That's a gentleman's yeah. agreement.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's not in the spirit of the game. Yeah. Uh, Brian Gunn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, what? Incorrect. Are you joking? You don't need to double-check that because... Um, <laughs> yeah. There's only one. Came off the name. (laughs) (laughs) So this is to win it. Oh man! Flipping egg. Well, who did the goalie? Was it Andy Marshall?
3: I mean, what I would say is there is an incredibly iconic Aston Villa team, which you have all.
0: (laughs) I thought Brian Gunn was
2: so
3: fragrantly ignored, Uh, and Josh has gone for (laughs) the reserve Norwich City goalkeeper. (laughs) The
2: first choice wasn't (laughs) playing.
3: Uh, and Andy Marshall was indeed in goal. Yes, yes.
0: That, honestly, this is the poorest quality game of this we've ever had. Yeah.
3: And the bar was already pretty low. <laughs> I'll run you through the lineups. Norwich, uh, in goal Andy Marshall. You've got Kyle Bradshaw, John Newsom, Daryl Such, Rob Ullathorn, John Polston, Mark Bowen, Ian Crook, Jeremy Goss, Adi Akinbae and Ashley Ward. So it's a tricky one. Yeah. For, for Villa, Nigel Spink. Gary Charles, Uh, Steve Staunton, Hugo Ekiog, Sean Teal, Paul McGrath, Little Alan Wright and his Bath, Andy Townsend, Graham Fenton, Dean Saunders and Dwight York. Dwight York, of course. You managed to get a total of one of those between.
0: (laughs) That's shocking.
3: Uh, Josh, would you like to pick the song that plays out the show?
2: Um, In tribute uh, to uh, Adi Love of the Saxophone, uh, Let's Have Careless Whisper.
0: I'd have gone Baker Street myself. but okay. that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in fact, we're going to drop the Quickly Kevin Film Club episode, our review of United Passions, the film about FIFA. Long promised it will be out a little later this week. So sit tight. And until then, Robbie Slater. See you later.